Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of I Dig Your Soul Podcast with your host, Nadia Khalil. to today's show. Today is the 14th of August. It is Friday already. How did we get here? But we're here. It's just so funny because all day yesterday, everyone in the house separately was saying, today feels like Friday. And I'm like, nah, we still got a day left. And time just, it's going by fast. It's going to be super hot. We're having a heat wave to come for like the next eight to 10 days of like over 100 degree weather and like 120 in the deserts and we have fires and uh, here we go. August, September, up till the middle of October are the hottest months in Southern California. People think like summer starts in June here, but even though this year has been weird, it's it always starts around this time where this is when the heat comes in. It's dry heat. We don't see rain for ever until like the end of October, if we're lucky, or in November. So this is going to be a super trying time with everything else that's going on. Um, You always wonder, you know, how much more can we take? And it turns out there's a lot more we can take. And we try to figure out why, and we don't know how. And, you know, reel yourself back into every day. Just, you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And you just have to think like that, be in the moment and plan for the future. It's it's a fine line to walk, and sometimes it feels like it's far away in doing it, but you can do it, but just taking a breath and just re-bringing yourself back because when we take a breath and we take a deep breath, we just stop for a minute, it helps us regenerate because on your way down to that deep breath and on your way back up, you're like, okay, what can I really do about this? I can do my best. I am doing my best. This is the best I know how to do in this moment. And you will. And it does work. It does work. We're just so hard on ourselves. We want big things to happen all the time or nothing is happening. So I've got a couple of questions. And I did want to say, you know, I've been so crazy that I haven't really gone into my inbox on a regular basis. And I had two dreams, which I wouldn't have been able to get to yesterday, but I will get to them. There were two long ones, too, um, that we will get to next Thursday. But today I have a question. It says, my question for Friday. When ego has taken away from our souls, where do we find the resources to restore, rebuild, and defend? Just so we all know, much love. And I thought about that. Think about that. 
when ego's been taken away from our souls, how do we find the resources to restore, rebuild, and defend? We have those resources when ego is gone. And ego is never taken away from our souls. We always think of restoring, rebuilding, and defending ourselves. Ego is what takes that away. So if you think that ego is helping you push forward, it's the opposite. Ego is what breaks things down. And it's a threshold for us to overcome. Like let's say you do want to restore a relationship and it says, well, why do you want to do that? They're such an idiot. They did this to you. They did that to you. Or you want to rebuild something. Or you want to defend it. But let's say, and I'm going to go to something that this person sent me in an email because I know they were okay with me saying their name on the question, but because of what I want to refer to. If you are in a relationship and you are looking at the relationship as I am getting to know this person, I love them, but I have to see every part of their life right now so that I can understand what I am getting myself into. If you are in a situation where you have a partner and they are going through a divorce that is not final yet, and they have children, and you are now starting to spend time with those children, and you're the new kid on the block, those kids are either going to love and accept you, or they're going to fight you. Ego says, oh my God, this is so new. I have actually never been around kids before. I wanted kids, but I want my own kids. I don't want somebody else's kids with all this stuff already programmed into them, and now they're going to fight me for the rest of my life if I stay. Or you can say, hey, I know this is hard for them. It's actually super hard for me too. Everybody's kids seem spoiled on the get-go because you don't understand what led to their behavior. You weren't there part of the people shaping that behavior. And then when you leave, it's like, oh, my God, I could breathe again, because now you're going back to your normal. It has nothing to do with loving anybody. What it has to do with is with what you are used to, and is what you are used to more important to your peace than creating a new situation for your life to be a part of? Personally, I have been, and I know why now, but at the time I didn't, but since I saw Christ, I have had to learn all the different situations, you know, a restrictive culture, an arranged marriage, got out of the arranged marriage, got into a blended family situation, thinking I was going to change the world, and found out that the kids were really, really, I mean, they're kids, and they can't help it because they came in pre-made with whatever issues they have or had. 
and I cared about them so much, and I thought that was going to make a difference. But my life was a living hell. And I knew it, but I couldn't say it. And then one day Christ said to me, don't look at them as your children. Look at them as your teachers. Because think about this. Somebody else's children are not actually your birth children, but they are your teachers. They will teach you things about yourself. They will push every button you've ever had. And they are your best teachers, literally, on the face of this earth because they want nothing from you that they know of. But they're coming after you in whatever way they know how. So... How do you think of ego when you ask me when ego is taken away from our souls? Understanding that it is never taken away from your soul. Ego is always there. No matter what you think, it's going to give you a counter thought. And then you have to decide based on your experience, based on what you know, what you really want. Spending time with a new partner's family is a shock. Just telling yourself that, like, well, that's a very shocking thing. It's either going to be really easy or really hard. But the really easy is the more far-fetched because everything's new. They're looking at their mom or dad with someone new, which replaces their parent. And then that reinforces in their mind, no matter how much they've accepted the divorce or the separation, that, hey, because of this person, my parents are never going to be together again. And it's because of you. And that's what's happened. That's what is happening. And that's why when you say, I got sick from all of the negativity and rejection, and then you're trying to go through fire hoops, and then they're treating their dad the same way, it's because they are saying, oh, wow, this new situation is further away from my family rather than closer to it, and I got to break this down. And they're looking at you as the reason unfairly but they're kids and they're scared and they want their parents together you could be as nice as you want to be but at their age they've passed their formative years their formative years were with their parents and your resources are to are to remind yourself that your ego cannot run the show because you will not be able to make a solid decision. Ego's decisions are as temporary as ego is, because ego always has an entrance plan, but it doesn't have an exit plan. An exit plan meaning that you've solved an issue, not that you leave the relationship if you don't want to. So what you deal with 
because ego is never taken away from our souls. That's something Christ made very clear to me, which is why everything he has been teaching me, teaching us, is how to recognize ego and to know the difference between truth, love, and purity, our ego. And when you catch those thoughts like, my God, those little brats, I can't wait to get away from them. Wow, these have been the longest days of my life. And you can't see this getting better. You have a decision to make. It has nothing to do with ego or not right now. It has to do with quality of life and what you're willing to accept or not right now. Think about those kids. They've, I don't care how common divorce is, each have their own trauma from the divorce. And you're this shiny new person in their dad's life. Or there's a shiny new person in their mom's life. And one they've known all their lives, and one they've just met who's acting as the one that knew their whole lives. And now you don't. So how do they even begin to tell you who they are? So they turn around and they lash out from that injured love that they are feeling. And then you look at it and say, oh my God, it's so negative and they're rejecting us and they're disrespectful and you know all this stuff is going on and it all goes back to pain. And I have learned to believe that when a new partner is being introduced into a situation where children are involved, that the parent of those children begin to talk about the new partner, the new introduction into their family. Especially if you're the first person coming in, and especially if you already know you want to stay. Otherwise, the kids will start seeing a revolving door, and it's like the new nanny every time. But what happens is they start to build a connection without having to see you before they are ready. They may see a picture of you. He may tell them, you know, what the two of you love to do and how he can't wait for them to join you. The, The parents, if the mom could meet you or you could meet or they could meet the new man in your mom's life or whoever it is in their lives, if they can do that and they're all joined together and the kids can see that it's not two separate worlds that they have to keep bouncing between, then there is a transition for them, a bridge for them to walk across. But just to put it on them, because kids tend to be silent and hold things in, is going to get a lash out coming back. Even if you are the best thing in the world for them or for their parent. 
You're walking into a world that's already there, and you are going to be the new kid on the block. But there are ways to transition. After being in a blended family, I really had to think pretty long and hard when I dated someone with children after that. And the first thing I did, because the parents were competing, which one was better, and they had this weird built-in fight that ego was running the show. And I was sitting at the table when I saw the father wanting to write to the principal, and it was all about him, not about the kids, and it was eliminating the ex from it. And I said, go back if you want, because it's his choice, and rewrite that email and use both your names, you and their mom, mom and dad, and what you guys are concerned about, and send it and copy the mom, involve the mom. And when he did that, the mom immediately called and thanked him. It was an immediate, not even five minutes. Then another situation came up, and I did that. And he said, wow, you're really making me look good to my ex. Nobody knew about me yet. We waited a year before they knew me. He wanted to make sure I was going to stay because he didn't want to look bad to his kids. But I know my job there was to repair the relationship between the parents which now gave the kids a solid foundation no matter who comes in their mom and dad's lives. So that's key. Otherwise, it's going to be a tough situation and one you may want to reconsider if you're not in for the long haul. Because ego is always going to say, what are you doing this for? And you have to say, I understand what I'm getting myself into, can restore and rebuild and defend myself in this process because nobody's ever absent of ego. If we were, we wouldn't need to be here. Ego is just always scratching at the door. You're not good enough. You're not this. You're not that. Blah, blah, blah. It's the bully on the block. And ego shouldn't be confused with stress. People say, oh, well, without our ego, I've learned to manage my ego. We all learn to, but it always gets us in our our worst vulnerability because it wants to stay relevant, wants to keep us growing. And if we can see it as a tool and not a teacher, or a tool and a teacher and not our end result, where we can try to filter it out and make the best decision we can with the purest of intent, that's when we know that we know ourselves well enough to make the best decisions that we can. So I hope that that answered your question. I know it's not easy to deal with these situations. And, you know, just ask yourself, can I do this? Can I do this? Because that's your biggest question. Can these two parents get along apart so that the kids can be healthier 
that's the other because it will define your night, your day, every breathing moment of your life. And if you're not used to that, you will not know what's coming. Educate yourself. And good luck. Write me back. Let me know what's going on. So I have this um, question, and it's a question that I'm currently working as a teacher. It's, I guess, a question about flowing our dreams. So I'm currently working as a teacher. The job is nice and steady. That was my goal, but it's not the job I've always wanted. I'm a very creative I'm a creative person and my dream of dreams was becoming a fashion designer since I was little. But as I was growing up, that was pushed to the side. Now I want I feel I want to do it. When I realized what I want, I started to feel whole again and like myself again. It was the most wonderful feeling. I really want to give it my all and creative, create my life around creativity. My question is how can I make my first step in this direction as an adult with an already responsible job and not postpone myself? Thank you very much. So, I thought about that because, you know, fashion design is like writing a book, right? You have to establish a presence. You have to get in and intern somewhere with someone else, and then they have you do your things, and you start putting in your ideas. And, you know, there's a lot that goes into it because every creative field is based on creativity. And so you kind of have to prove you're creative. And it's one of those things that while you are working your job, you can do it. Because a lot of creative, especially as an adult, because usually people, you know, they try to get in as soon as they can and, you know, they want to get an early head start. But sometimes the best designers in our world are, and some of the best writers in our world are people who've had it in them but did other jobs, their hobby first, and that hobby grew into a bigger world. So if, as you ask, as an adult, how do you do this? You've probably studied fashion design, but look at late bloomers. Look at people who've come in a little later. It may surprise you who they are. I did that with the work I do I looked up different people's lives, and I found out Mother Teresa was not Mother Teresa as we know her until after she was 50 years old. Now, I know you're young, so you don't have to wait till you're 50. But what can you do today to create a lifelong career in what you love? Begin developing your skills. In your spare time, because you, you're going to have spare time. If you're not married or you don't have children yet, your time is in your hands in a different way. You can decide if you're going to go out or not. You can decide if you're going to do whatever it is you're going to do. But I personally would set up a drawing table. Because to be a fashion designer, you kind of need a couple of skills, right? You need knowledge of the industry, you need to know how to draw. You need to know how to sew. You need to know how to design. 
And you have to have that vision, that love for it. Like, I would love clothes to look like this. And you don't want to be so different that people can't really wear your stuff on a daily basis. And you don't want to be so traditional that there's no stamp on it. So whatever it is you do, even if it's just normal clothes and you have a logo on there, that's really cool. And you patent the logo and it's on everything you do somewhere. There's a store that sells like workout stuff and it's called Lululemon. A lot of people are familiar with it. But they have their little Lululemon on every single, with their little logo on every single thing they sell. So people know. Oh, well, that has quality. It's a quality legging. There's a million leggings out there. Why can they sell their leggings for $100 a legging? Because that logo tells you that there's a certain level of quality. There's a certain level of compression. That helps you when you're working out in some ways. So they created within an already very crowded industry, a great product that people identify and identify with. So if you do even just plain T-shirts, but they have a great fit, they give a little more room in the waist, they give, you know, they're nice and flattering on top, or whatever it is that you decide to do, start to develop those skills. Focus on the efforts that you have because the more you do it, the more inspired you get. Remember that motivation, we don't wait for it to just show up at our door. Action is motivation. So focus on that. Look at how other people are dressed. What choices have they made? Create a brand. If you start on your Facebook page or on an Instagram page or on both and start putting pictures of what you think is okay or create a logo and put it on every picture you have so you start building the logo brand that you're going to put on all of your clothing. And will it be on the chest? Will it be on the bottom? All that positioning. What would you buy? Because what you would buy and what you love and doesn't feel like you're pushing it and it's, you know, like, oh, my God, I got to do this and make it happen, then you're not ready to do that. But if you already can see it and you can create what you see, then other people will feel that creation, the creativity that you are asking about. In the circles of fashion designers, network within their world, get to know who in your country is doing that already? And go and, and ask if you can just, if they can mentor you and you can just kind of see what their world looks like. Say that, hey, I'm working here right now, but this is a dream for me. And I just want to see if, that I can do this, you know, because I'm scared to make that leap even though I'm so creative. Can I make a living at it? Be prepared to start small and be unwilling, unwilling to quit. So even if you're just 
sitting down drawing one night and save that drawing and then save the other one, within a year you will have a collection. It's just a matter of doing what you want to do, identifying your market, you know, developing a business plan, identifying your target audience. Where would you manufacture the clothes? What does your brand look like? It could just be M, you know, or S or something that is your brand and then begin that process. It's, it's, you know, it sounds so easy when we say it, but everything starts in small steps. Everything starts with your first design, your first ideas of what your brand would look like. Keep in mind that everybody has to start somewhere, and why not you? And based on that, you guys, have a great day. I have 10 seconds left. Have a great and safe weekend. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the I Dig Your Soul podcast. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.